Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesdays. We know I'm your favorite friend on Wednesdays because you're here. Uh, David Wheels, Maxwell, good to see everybody. I guess I can't see you. I can see some of the comments in the screen that'll be popping up in a few minutes. This episode of Wednesdays with Wheels is brought to you by Falengas Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. Falengas has over 60 flavors of cotton candy. That's right, I said 60. It's to the point where when Falengas says to me, Wheels, what flavors would you like us to send you this month? I say, Falengas, I can't even decide. There's too many of them. Just send them all to me. Send them all. Then I got them all. They've got flavors like pickle. They've got flavors like uh, fireball, banana. The greatest thing about Falengas, though, is it's GMO-free. It's... uh, gluten-free, it's all allergy-friendly, so if your kids have allergies, you have allergies, you don't have to worry about it. Listen, they're at the Rochester Public Market. They're out in Avon. Check their uh, Facebook page, Falengas Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy, for the details where they're going to be. On the weekends, you can get custom, I said it, custom cotton candy cakes. That's right. It's in the shape of a cake, but it's made out of cotton candy. What's more delicious than that? So call my good friend Jennifer over at 585-415-1817. Your taste buds will thank you. All right. I'm very excited about this episode. I have with me Marissa Zeppieri. Did I say your last name right? I've you been, did. You I've did. been practicing all day. <laughs> all day. Uh, she is the founder of Lupus Checks. And so we're going to talk all about that and her life story. How are you? I am great. And now, even though I haven't had cotton candy in like 20 years, I'm in the mood for some. Well, listen, you got to run out and get yourself some. <laughs> it's it's great stuff. It's like it's like bringing the ballpark right into your living room. Yeah. So what's better than that? So I want to talk about, uh, I want to start with your book, uh, Chronically Fabulous. Uh, it's right there. And I want you to give us a little overview of the book. Oh, wow. So it is a memoir. Um, You know, originally I had wanted to write it about uh, lupus, but when I sold the book to Broadleaf Books, which is my publisher, we sort of opened it up to anyone that has chronic illness or has like some type of trauma or just a really difficult life season. So there's very uh, relatable themes in the book, like hope, and overcoming and faith and you know love from your friends and family and things like that. So the really neat thing is, even though it started with my journey of lupus, the people that are reading it and the messages and reviews that I'm getting are from people that don't even have a chronic illness, but it's helping them in some way, which is amazing. And you also, I mean, your story goes far beyond. I was reading the bio you sent over to me and uh, your story goes far beyond just your lupus which we'll get into as well. Uh, but the one, the first time I met you was at Comedy at the Carlson. I mm-hmm. think I was performing with Todd Youngman. And uh, you came up to me and you, you you introduced yourself and you were telling me about your foundation and your 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 uh, lupus. And But the one thing that uh, struck me, and I'm not so familiar with lupus, so I want to get into like, some of the stuff you deal with on a daily basis, what lupus is and all that. But one of the things that struck me is if you just looked at you from the outside, you look like a very healthy, very young lady who's very healthy, where I, with my disability, it's very noticeable. So is that a struggle for you because it's not as noticeable? So looks can be very deceiving uh, right. with a chronic illness. You know, it really depends what season of my life you met me in, because if you went back, you know, seven, eight years ago, you would have seen me in a wheelchair. Okay. Or if you went a couple of years before that, you would have seen me with a walker um, or just being in the hospital. Um, So, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows with chronic illness. So some days, you know, people probably look at me and they're like, wow, everything must be great. You must be all better. The lupus must be cured. And, you know, then there's times, obviously, when it's very evident, maybe, you know, maybe there's a lupus rash, or you can just tell, like, from obviously being sick that my skin doesn't look right, or something looks off. 
I think those that are closest to me know, know me the best. They know when I'm not feeling well, it's very easy for them to see it. But right. I think, you know, hard for people, especially if they're only seeing me like on social media, it's, you're, you're just getting that quick glimpse of someone, you know? Um, but I think this is a, sh a struggle with a lot of people that have chronic illness. If they don't necessarily have like with lupus, the really bad skin rash, or, you know, when I did chemo and I lost all my hair, that obviously makes people wonder, well, like, why doesn't she have any hair? Does she have cancer? That's the first thing that comes to people's minds. Um, so again, I think looks can be really deceiving. And I think it's just a lesson to all of us that we can't judge someone by just what we're seeing really quick on the outside. Amen. And I, uh, I, because along with my cerebral palsy, I also have uh, vitiligo, which is a, uh, where I lose the pigment in my skin. Right. And uh, that sometimes is more hard to explain to people than the wheelchair, right? Because people understand the wheelchair. They don't necessarily understand, well, why are you turn? Why are you, why are, why are you blotchy? So it is, it is very, and that's what I love about you too, because you're bringing awareness to not only lupus, but several, your, your foundation helps several different uh diseases as well yeah so you know we started out as lupus like just with lupus 13 years ago but there's so much overlap in the autoimmune community and there's over 100 autoimmune diseases and then sort of just the disability community as a whole so we all sort of came together so there are thousands of people in lupus chick now that don't necessarily have lupus but we all experience very similar challenges every single day whether it's just doing activities of daily living, or if it's employment, or if it's relationships, or finding the right doctors, or finding the right medical uh, device. You know, some people are like, hey, I need a really good wheelchair. Can you give me some tips? What's good? What's bad? Or I need something for the shower. We all sort of come together and help one another. Yeah, it's, it really is amazing. Can you, because, and I don't know, can you, if I pop comments up on the screen, I'm not sure if you can see them. Uh, but Rebecca uh, typed in the comments, my my best friend has lupus, bless you. I know this struggle a lot. So there's someone chiming in that understands. But for those of us that are, and, and I have to admit myself, I'm not totally familiar with lupus. So can you tell us some of the uh, symptoms and daily struggles that you go through? Absolutely. Uh, so for anyone that isn't aware of what lupus is, the easiest way to explain it is it is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease. And basically my body and the cells in my body does not recognize my organs and my tissues as safe as my own. So if you have a healthy person and they get a virus or a bacteria, your body recognizes that it's not supposed to be there and it attacks it. And that's what our body does basically with our organs. And it can attack it to the point where it kills the organ and you either need an organ transplant or it could be fatal in some cases. So it's just this constant inflammation cycle and this constant attacking of the body, which is why a lot of people with lupus will take things like steroids and older chemotherapy drugs, which basically shut off the immune system from doing anything so that it can't attack its, you know, your own body anymore. And the difficult thing with lupus is they say no two cases are alike. And I've definitely found that to be true, um, where some people say for me, you know, I have more blood involvement. So I get a lot of fatigue. Um, I get a lot of fevers and I get weird things like brain aneurysms and blood clots and vasculitis and mini strokes. And then I'll have a friend with lupus that gets none of those. But for her, it may 100% attack her kidneys to the point where she needs a kidney transplant. Um, so the most common organs are the skin, the blood, brain, lungs, heart, and kidneys. Is there, um, so you say, we, I've heard you talk in, in um, interviews that I was watching, there's different seasons. So would you can, there, and when, I think that's for everybody, right? Like I have days that are better than others. Where, where I can get around faster and move uh, move my wheelchair a lot faster than other days. Right. But are there are there with lupus are there so are there flare ups are there are there um, and do you know when they're coming? 
Yeah. So lupus is a disease of flares and remissions. Um, I've never personally had a remission period in 20 years. You know, that's the goal with medicine and lifestyle changes. I've had quieter times where maybe I'm only having, you know, three or four symptoms going on at a time rather than like 10. Um, but it really depends. Uh, you know, I've had flares that have lasted a year. I've had flares that have lasted two weeks. I know absolutely in the days before when something shifts in my body, I know that I'll get a rash. I'll typically get, you know, more fevers. I'll get a lot of pain. I'll be really tired and I'll know that, okay, this is more lupus related. So something's coming. However, after 20 years, I'm pretty good at this point of what my triggers are. It took me a long time to know and like understand them really well. So I do my best, obviously, not to have those triggers in my life. But, you know, life happens and you can't block everything all the time. Um, so I just try to be really careful. Is um, So is is sleep very important? Is that is like getting a lot of rest? Is, does that help? Sleep is the most amazing thing in the world. And absolutely, sleep is when all of our bodies recover. And for someone with chronic illness and lupus, it is essential. But, you know, sometimes sleep is really hard with, especially if you're on high dose of steroids, if you're in a lot of pain. I'm very protective of my sleep. And I try not to let much get in the way of my sleeping at night or napping. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of music therapy. I'm a big fan of melatonin, um, CBD, just different things that sort of help my body relax. Cause I know if I miss a couple of nights of sleep, I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about, I want to talk more about before we get in, uh, to some of the other interesting things, I want to talk more about lupus chicks and I want to talk about, because you do some amazing things where you give away scholarships. Am I correct? That's we do. We just gave away our, our 13th scholarship, which was pretty amazing. How, how much in total have you, have you uh, granted to uh, recipients? About $13,000. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all donor-led. So the more donations we have, the higher the amount is that we give. But I remember when I just kicked it off and there was just one and I was really excited and to know that you know now we do it twice a year instead of once a year and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger it's it's amazing it's just a way to tangibly help somebody that is having a challenge and when you started this uh foundation did you ever did you ever envision it getting to the point where it is now no i had no idea i had no idea what i was doing it was 12 years ago you know, I lived in Fort Lauderdale, a city uh, of over a million people, and I only knew one person with lupus, and all these blogs were coming out, and I thought, this would just be a really good way to connect with other people, no matter where they are in the world, and we can sort of, like, share our stories. So it just grew and grew, and eventually, back in um, 2015, when I had moved back to New York, I was Mrs. New York, and I was working with a lot of the government here, and I thought, I want to take this, there's more that can be done. And I want to take this to the next level. And that's when I turned it into the nonprofit and with the goal of being able to give away the scholarships. That's, that's amazing. Is, is lupus, uh, was it something you dealt with even before you knew you had it? So was there a period in your life before you were diagnosed where, how long, I guess my question is, how long did it take? for them to come up with a diagnosis of you have lupus? Okay, so the average diagnosis is actually three to six years because it, it mimics so many other diseases. However, that's getting better today because of more doctors actually testing for it, which is great. But, you know, I'm in my mid forties. I definitely had symptoms uh, since the time I was eight, which unfortunately fell in the mid eighties. And even though my mom took me to the doctor a lot, there was no doctor ever testing me for lupus or even mentioning it to us. I actually never heard the word lupus until I was in my 20s and I was in school to be an RN. Um, and even then, when I say I heard about it, I heard about it for maybe 15 minutes in a lecture. Um, so I really struggled with a lot of symptoms since the age of eight. 
And I talk about that in my book because it's such a common story for people that are misdiagnosed for so long that there is a there is a healing process that you have to go through knowing that the medical system as a whole really failed you in some way for so many years. And I mean, I, I suffered for 15 years without any treatment. Um, so I don't know, maybe my life could have been different if it had been, you know, sought out at an earlier age. Cause let me tell you, I was at the doctors a lot. Like it, it was missed probably hundreds of times. Mm. And I, this is going to sound like a weird question, but it, it, uh, it just popped into my head when you, when you got the, di when you got the diagnosis of this is lupus, was there, was there a sense of, uh, I don't want to say relief, but was there a sense of now we know what we're battling, so now we know the steps to take? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a way, it's it's sort of healing because you say to yourself, I'm not crazy. Like, I knew I was not crazy. The doctors made me feel like I was crazy, but there's a reason why that all of these things are happening to me. Um, so in that way, it was sort of a relief, but I think in my naivety of being in my early 20s thinking okay well just give me the medication that will get rid of this and let me move on with my life well there's no cure for lupus so that you know you know it's sort of like a double-edged sword it's like okay i have sort of the answer but there really isn't a great solution to it yeah it uh, and but i think you know it's interesting there's people i see a lot of uh well, we have different uh, ailments. We have a lot of the same outlook on life, right? Because I believe, and I think you believe the same thing. We, well, we deal with it. We can't change it, so we have to deal with it and and continue to push forward. And and uh, I'd be interested to get your perspective on when you go out to talk, because I know you do you do speaking engagements and and all of that. When you go out to talk to young people that have lupus, what is some? What are some of the things you share with them? Uh, coping mechanisms and stuff like that to help them uh, cope, and maybe something that you wish somebody had told you when you were starting out your journey. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it really depends where they are in their journey, and there's so much that I like to share. But I think really driving home the point that you know, I really believe every one of us has a very specific purpose in life and there isn't a definition or a, a medical definition or a disability that can prevent us from living out that purpose. It may just look different. It may take us longer. Um, the road may be a lot different than the person next to us with a similar journey, but they're not sick um, or they're not fighting, you know, with a disability. So, I, I think keeping that in mind and also I wish someone had told me one to really take care of myself, especially when I was younger, because, you know, in your 20s, you sort of feel like you're invincible. And I pushed my body a lot. And that actually made the lupus worse, especially in those first few years. I, I wish that I had taken a little bit of time to rest and pace myself. Um, but again, you know, you want, when you're young, you want things right away and you mm -hmm. want a million things, right? And that can be really hard on the body that has lupus or has autoimmune disease. So you have to really learn, okay, if I'm going to go all out today, then I most likely have to take tomorrow. I have to schedule tomorrow off. That took me years, not to just learn, but to be willing to do because I'm so thick headed and mm -hmm. I'm such a type A so that would definitely be something. And you know what? Journal. Like that is something I tell people all the time. Journal everything. Journal what you're eating, how much you're sleeping, your medications, um, supplements you're taking, what the stressors are in your life. Were you in the sun? Like that's a big thing for lupus. And over time, you will see patterns. And that's how you determine your triggers over time. I know, I know if I'm in the sun for more than five or ten minutes, it's very bad. Um, I know that stress can bring out a lupus flare quicker than anything. Um, again, lack of sleep, certain foods. So it's really important. And 
I can tell those things to people, but it's most likely going to be different for them. So that's why it's really important that they journal as well. Right. And I think it's also journaling the, your triggers and stuff like that is important. But isn't it, uh, I, I find when I heard you say journal, I went to, it's important too for your own mental health, right? To journal your, how you're feeling just emotionally dealing with lupus and for me with cerebral palsy the way that i uh, the way that i deal with it is i i, I tell jokes about it so right. i was just over at comedy the carlson and did did five shows and and there is a moment in you know i'm up there entertaining people but i'm also getting something out of it as well absolutely I mean, I had multiple journals, you know, one was sort of like the what I'm eating and sleeping and drinking and everything. And then I had the journal where I just had to get I had to get my emotions out somewhere. And, you know, especially when you're and I talk about it a lot in the book, when you're hospital bound or you're bed bound for very long seasons of life and you don't see a lot of people, it can get very lonely Um and I actually really enjoy going back and looking at some of those journals because it is a constant reminder of how far I've come. For sure. Yeah. And I, and I think of the same things when, when I'm up on stage, look at what, you know, where I am now and what I'm doing now. And some of those, the dark days, uh, especially cause I think of you in, when you, in your early twenties spending, uh, quite a bit of time in the hospital and that had to be difficult because your friends are probably out doing things that every 20 year old would be doing and you're battling this, this, uh, disease. So that had to be very taxing as well. My twenties were probably the worst years of my life, to be honest with you. I, I mean, honestly, I lost most of my twenties. So I feel like I'm sort of making it up now in my thirties and forties. Well, you go girl. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think, and I talk to a lot of young men and women that are either diagnosed in their teens or their college years. And it is, it, there is a grieving process that is involved because your friends do go on with their lives. They do finish school. Maybe they get married, they start families, they start their careers. And, you know, for some of us, we're just trying to get our health under control. We're just trying to make it literally just through the day. Right. That's our job. I have, a, I have, a, was, you know, we've heard a lot about coronavirus. So was coronavirus something that because of the lupus that you had to be extra careful about as well? Was that? I am, I am a little like uh, over the top with any germs. Just okay. because um, all of the drugs that I take are immunosuppressant, which means I have no immune system. Gotcha. So, a cold for someone else can be gone in four days. And for me, it will put me in the hospital if it gets too bad with pneumonia. Right. So when COVID first happened, I would say there was like a six month period where I was completely terrified. I never left the house. And, um, but at the same time, when I did start to leave the house, I was doing the things I always did, which was, always having my hand sanitizer. I was the weirdo that would go into a Barnes and Nobles or a bookstore and have my Lysol wipes with me. And I would wipe everything down just because the reality is most people don't wash their hands. They don't cover their mouth when they cough and then they start touching everything. Um, so I don't want to be responsible. I can't be responsible for what they're doing, but I can be responsible for myself. So I would always clean everything. And I will always ask people, have you been sick? Have you been around people that are sick? And I think with COVID, it just sort of took it sort of to the next level um, because I don't just have lupus. I have really bad asthma and there's definitely a fear. I mean, thank God. I, I don't think I had it. I'm not, I'm not sure I was sick at one point, but um, you know, I've been okay. Yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I still, uh, you know, I'm vaccinated, but I still wear my mask because it's just that extra layer of protection. And uh, so, but it was uh, just, an, uh, I just was wondering, like, you know, because that can be scary. It was scary for me. I was telling a friend of mine the other day, uh, I'm back out and about a little bit more than I was, but 
I went from a guy that was out three or four nights a week to I didn't go out at all for close to a year because I just I just didn't know you know I was very selective about about where I went so I want to jump into some of the other things uh, that I read in your bio and I have to tell you you have a huge fan in Todd Youngman because Todd Youngman and I don't know if he's still in the room uh, but Todd said to me we were at the comedy club the other day and he said who are you having on your next podcast and I said, you know, I because of doing the stand-up, I haven't really thought of that yet. And he said, you got to have Marissa on. She's got a great story, and she's just very inspirational. And I, so, and I, I know that you and I have been friends on Facebook, and we talked about doing some stuff, so I was happy to have you. But just so you know, he uh, sings your praises, and he, uh, he um, really pushed me to, you know, don't waste any more time. Get her on the podcast because she's got a great story. So Todd, if you're out there, thank you very much, my friend. Thanks. Love you. I'm I'm calling him my new booking agent because he oh. texts me all the time and says you got to have this person on. So he knows Todd's my new booking agent. I hope I don't have to pay him anything for that. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk about some of the other things that uh, have gone on in your life. You at one point uh, got struck by a, a a truck. Am I correct in that? I did. I got run over by a pickup truck when I was crossing the street in my 20s. That's sort of well, how it started. Well, and that's how you found out about the lupus, right? Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of autoimmune disease um, start with a trigger. And that trigger can be an illness or a physical trauma or a stressor, um, a pregnancy, something that, you know, sort of brings the immune system down and... Um, I did. I got hit by a drunk driver and I spent, you know, that year basically in the hospital and then in rehab and all of the symptoms that I had had since being, you know, eight years old, all sort of came out at once. But the difference was now I was being seen by an incredible team of doctors in the hospital. And once they sort of teased out everything and realized this isn't related to her being hit, this is something else. I finally had the right doctors coming to see me. I had the rheumatologist. I had the infectious disease. When I tell you, they tested me for every disease possible, like stuff I've never heard of. Still to this day, I'm like, it blows my mind some of the things that they tested me for, but I sort of think they went down this rabbit hole and they weren't quite sure. Yeah, it's, uh, so when, let's talk about, uh, um, like treatment and has that gotten i'm assuming because with technology and we learn more that that it's gotten better but what kind what kind of treatments are out there how many doctors do you do you have a team of doctors that you work with that monitor you regularly how does that all work i do i have a team of about 10 doctors that all different specialties that monitor me um, we're pretty close. We're pretty tight. We're on, you know, email, email, regular basis. Um, you would think in today's day and age, there would be more treatments for lupus. And I'm sad to say in the past 60 years, only one drug ever has been made for lupus. And while it works wonders in some people, it does not work for everyone. So the good thing about that drug actually coming to market was that it opened up the space for other drugs now that are sort of coming down the pipeline. So I'm hoping in my lifetime, I get to see something. Um, but right now, the mainstay of lupus treatment, first and foremost, is hydroxychloroquine, which we all heard about with COVID. Really? Absolutely. Yep. That's the wow. first of us. Um, and then it's typically steroids. And then we go more into the old, depending on how severe the lupus is, then we'll go into more older chemotherapy drugs and what they call biologics. Now, why is someone who has a foundation and, and is very uh, committed to uh, educating people, I'm interested to know from your perspective, why do you think there has only been one drug that has been brought to market and is there not an emphasis on on test like on finding like research for lupus and what what's that all about well i don't think big pharma would care for my answer but 
Um, I think for many decades, lupus patients were definitely ignored. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to it's an invisible illness. It's just like many others. If you look at us, you don't think anything is wrong. It wasn't really until the past 10 or 15 years that awareness has really ramped up. You know, a lot of people at least are now familiar with lupus, um, but there's still such a need for education. You know, in most surveys, 40 to 50% of people have no idea what lupus is. Um, up to 60% think it's contagious, which is not true at all. Um, they will not sit next to someone. They will not drink or eat off of someone with lupus. I can't give lupus to anyone. And that's where the lack of education comes in. Um, I think for pharmaceutical companies, you know, does it come down to money? Probably on, on some level. Yeah. Um, first medication that came out made a lot of money. So then all of a sudden, all these other medications were starting to be tested. Um, so I think, I think the bottom line has something to do with it. I think patients speaking up and advocating for themselves and pushing and working with government and working with Congress um, and saying, you know, why don't we have any treatments? Like, there's millions of people that have lupus. People die from it. One of my best friends died from it. Um, it's That's why, you know... Lupus chick, if it shows anything to anyone, is if you think as one person, you cannot have an impact, you are completely wrong. Mm. That is the, the story of lupus chick should be just that one person not knowing what she's doing, sick as hell in the hospital, starting this blog that was a disaster when it first started, like, you know, visually, um, now reaches a half a million people a month and we've done so much. So that is why it's so important for us to speak up. And, and I mean, when you say you've done so much, you, you really have brought awareness to lupus uh, because I know you've worked with uh, Lady Gaga. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Lady Gaga has a nonprofit. It's called um, Born This Way and it, encompasses channel kindness which is sort of her media area and she did an anthology book last year under channel kindness and she showcased dozens of her favorite stories of people paying it forward um and just in kindness not expecting anything in return and we are the 35th chapter which was um, pretty amazing i had no idea until um you know they reached out to me and said you know she would really like to put your story in into this book and i was like um of course <laughs> absolutely right uh so it's really neat she's got amazing stories in there how did she find out about your story how did she how how, how did it hit her radar so lady gaga actually has a lupus link in her family i believe it was her uh, her aunt that had it um, and I think, you know, she deals with chronic pain. I think she's tested borderline on, on some of the tests herself, I believe years ago. And so there's already that lupus link. And then one of our interns from lupus chick actually, uh, did some work with her foundation. And so it's just sort of all came together that way. And that was years ago, uh, that they had written a story up on their website about lupus chick. And I think, you know, probably because of that family relation there we sure. wanted to have a story about it in the book. And I, and I also believe it's, I'm a firm believer and I tell people this all the time and I'm sure you, you can relate to this because of what you do with lupus chick, but it's always about uh, remembering people's shaking their hands and remembering their names because you never know down the line where your paths might cross and you might, be able to work together again sometime. So Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in that and also sort of right place, right time. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you now a little bit about, because I know you're, you, uh, you are a journalist as well. Uh, you, you've done that. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about what you learned uh, through writing the book. Uh, <laughs> how long of a process was it? How long did it take you from start to finish? Uh, so this is my second book. This one was traditionally published. I self-published the first. This was a very long process. It was three years from start to shelf. Wow. That yeah. is, that's a long time. That's, I don't, 
people understand that haven't written a book, just the amount of time it takes to sort of birth that onto a bookshelf at your local bookstore. And what is it like? I, I, because I've never, I've never uh, had anything public. I mean, I think I might have had something published in my school newspaper when I was in elementary school. But what, what is it like to finally see that three-year process come to uh, finalization and see it on the store shelves? I mean, I still, it's still a little strange to me, um, especially because my publisher, you know, I thought it would just be a regular cover. I didn't expect this to be on the cover. Um, so it's a little weird for me, but it's, it's very exciting. At the same time, I feel like, you know, I have very strong faith. I know, I felt years ago that you know, for me, that God wanted me to share my story in a bigger way and that this was going to happen. Um, so it's really nice to sort of see that culmination of what I felt was impressed on my heart like 10 years ago. So I think uh, is that, now I have to ask, you know, are there are there plans for for more books or or uh, did that three year process? Did you have you said, no, that was enough? And and or, or are you looking to do more maybe? I'm definitely taking some time off right now, yeah. Uh, but because it only came out a couple of weeks ago, but it does have a cookbook element to it. So a oh. lot of people have been asking me um, for a long time just solely for a cookbook. So I may go in that direction. Like that's sort of where my notes and, and just things like behind the scenes that I've worked on in, you know, in the last year and a half have been more food related. But um, right now I'm doing the thing that I, I never would do 10 years ago, and that is to just stop and take a little bit of time for myself. Well, good for you, because that three years process is, uh, what, what was the, what was the most fulfilling, when you, when you were writing the book, what was the most, tell, is there one thing you can tell me that maybe you thought about, like you thought, you had an idea about writing a book, like, oh, this is how it's going to be, and then as you get into it, you're like, it's nothing like this at all. What was one thing that surprised you about writing a, a book like this? I don't know if it necessarily surprised me. So like, I should just back up a little bit. When I, I was a journalist for 13 years and I would on the side ghost write books for authors for publishing companies. Okay. So I really got to learn the book process through that. And my mind works in a very mathematical way and book writing is in some ways very mathematical. There's a very specific outline to most books. Um, so that really made it easy for me to sort of see like how a book starts and is actually completed where to some people like that don't know that sort of behind the scenes information, this can seem like an overwhelming thing to put yeah. together. That's what I. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. I'm, right. I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God! If you asked me to do something like that, I'd be cramping my pants. I think. Yeah, people are like, "Where do I start?" So I actually do a lot of like coaching on the side, and I help people get started, and I help them work through it. Um, so I think the, I would say the biggest lesson or something that I'd want to share is, we all have a story. So there is uh, obviously each one of us can write a memoir. The thing is. Not everyone's going to want to read the story because at the end of the day, people want to know if I'm going to commit my time and money to this or whatever it is, this product, what's in it for me? Mm. So I had to, you know, I learned through just the ghost writing and then through this book. Yes, my story weaves this book from start to finish, but I turned most of this book onto the reader as in, you know, have you ever gone through this or what has your journey been like so that it can be relatable to them in some way? Yeah. No one wants to hear me talk about myself for 200 and something pages. There has to be something in it for them at the end of the day. And that is what I think makes a successful uh, book journey. It's, it's interesting because when I started, so I started this podcast a year ago uh, because they weren't letting me come into the radio studio because of COVID. 
Right. They were running on it. And I was only doing five minutes a day. And I had always been kicking around this idea of doing my own show. And somebody said to me, I'm, I'm sure you've met Paul. He used to be on the Wii show. Mm-hmm. Paul, he said to me, what do you want your podcast to be about? And you just said perfectly what I said I wanted my podcast to be about was everybody has a story. You don't have to be famous or to 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 tell your story like every like I could take I could be on walking on the street. Well, if I was walking, that would be a miracle in itself. But I could be wheeling on the street and come up to a complete stranger and ask them questions. And I could elicit probably a pretty good story that I wouldn't have known if I didn't take the time to to wonder about. So that that's another way where I just feel like we're so compatible because it is all about, and even in your book, and I have not read it yet. I was telling you off here, can't wait to, I'm going to run out and get it because I can't wait to read it. But you say that you're, you relate it so that other people can relate to it. And because everybody has struggle, right? But it's, Mm -hmm. it's how you deal with that struggle. Absolutely. I mean, and at the end of the day, like people want to be heard and they want to be seen, um, especially when you're dealing with an illness or you're undi- you're still undiagnosed or you're dealing with, you know, uh, a disability. Like you want to know that people hear you, that they understand what you're going through. And that is why when you are writing, whether you're writing a book, whether you're writing a blog post or an article, you have to find a way to turn whatever you're saying about yourself onto the reader so that they can say, oh my gosh, I've been through that. Like this person gets it hundred percent. And that's, what's going to make them want to engage with you. That's where people, you get the comments and stuff online. Like you're so right. I have been through that. And this is, you know, what I found that helped me, or I want to share like this piece of my life, maybe will help someone else. And then once you get that engagement, like that's it. Like you, you've sort of hooked them in a way you've made that relationship, even though you may never meet this person in, in real life. For sure. Now, earlier you had mentioned your faith and uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm interested to know like uh, how your faith helped you in some of the, the darker times and how maybe it still helps you and, and uh, through your journey. Yeah, my faith is a huge part of my life. Um, it, you know, guides most of the things that I do on a daily basis and keeps me on track. Um, you know, keeps me not getting myself in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can overthink a lot of stuff, but you know, I grew up Catholic. Uh, my family's Italian. We grew up Catholic. I wouldn't say I had a super strong faith, but I grew up at church, you know, and then sort of went through the, the ritualistic side of church. And then um, once I got hit by the drunk driver, I talk about it in my book. I had a lot of time in the hospital by myself. I was in a room alone in the trauma unit and um, I was flat on my back for a very long time because the injuries I had to my organs and my lower abdomen, I had to be flat. Uh, and so I looked at the ceiling for weeks and I had a lot of time to talk to God and I was very angry. Um, you know, I have a hot Italian temper and I was not happy that, you know, I was almost done with nursing school. Everything was going so well. And here I am. I can't even like feed myself. I'm stuck looking at the ceiling and why didn't you just kill me? That was my prayer. Like that was my question. Why didn't you just kill me? Um, because even the trauma surgeon was like, I can't even believe you're alive. Like this is, this is, um, so it took me a long time to sort of reconcile that. And eventually, you know, I think God and I, you know, they talk a lot in, you know, in the Bible about wrestling with God and we wrestled a lot. And at the end of the day, you know, God showed me like there, there is a purpose to everything that has happened. And you just have to trust that in the right time, you will see it all and it will be used to help other people. So with the amount of people that I believe Lupus Chick has helped, um, you know, a lot of people love to ask me, like, would you go back and change anything? Uh There's really not a lot in my life that I would necessarily change, you know, maybe a couple things here and there. But um, 
I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. And I feel very blessed. I mean, my life's not easy, but I feel very blessed. Right. I often tell my friends because my friends have asked me the same question. And I go out and speak to um, big groups about uh, cerebral palsy and what it was like growing up with a disability. And uh, I've had people ask me, would you change it? I actually was on a job interview one time, and the guy said, if there was one thing about your your life you could change, what would it be? And I think I surprised him because I didn't say uh, the wheelchair. Right. And like you, it's not that there aren't days because, well, that you're, you're talking about God there. There are still days, and I'm sure for you as well, that I, uh, I have quite a temper too, and I say, why me? Like, you know, didn't you give me enough, you know? And I'm sure when you got your lupus diagnosis after the the accident, that was probably a question. Didn't I have enough? Now I have to deal with this as well. And But at the end of the day, like, you're making a difference. I hope I'm making some sort of a difference. So when people hear us say that we wouldn't change for the most part anything, I think that they, they get taken back by that because they're like, what do you mean you wouldn't change anything? Right. So you're you're making an impact and you're living out your best life, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm so many incredible things have happened in the past 20 years of my life. I, I don't know what my life would have been like. Um, but you know what? I know that I always wanted to help people. I've wanted to do that since I was little. That's why I wanted to be a nurse. Um, now I just do it in a different way. Like, I think God is very um, specific about how we're we're designed and you know what what is my passion and your passion is might be totally different um but he he knew when he created me that i love to help people and that is what brings me joy and that's what brings me happiness and i just do it in a different way now um so i wouldn't necessarily take anything back i i love that i'm able to do this and i love that i can share the really hard days and the really great days and people you know can connect with me and they say like i love that you show both because it makes me excited for when i have a good day but when i'm having a bad day i know that i'm not alone right it's in the last little bit of time we have here i want to talk about uh your foundation and where you see it going uh forward like what are some of the things you have planned for the foundation i know i i read something or uh uh because I've been watching a bunch of news uh, articles that you did on TV. Uh, but with COVID, things changed a little bit and right. and helping to raise money because as we were talking, you give out the scholarships. But what is, what's the next steps for Lupus Chick and uh, what, what do you have planned for it? You know, I think ramping up the scholarships is probably one of the biggest things for me. Uh, I have a lot of gifts and fundraising is not one of them. I'm terrible at it. Uh, you know, that's why it's really good to have strong board members and people that volunteer and want to actually help you out in that area because all of it goes to help someone trying to go to college and being able to financially support themselves and take care of themselves. Uh, so that's a big one. And I think now that things are opening up, you know, there'll probably be a lot more traveling and speaking opportunities, which I love. I love to get to meet people. And I love the opportunities to talk to really pharmaceutical companies and their scientists and their researchers, because believe it or not, I'd say out of the hundreds that I've met over the years, most of them never actually interact with a patient. So it's like they've dedicated their life to trying to create a medication for someone that they've never even met. Like they ask me so many questions and they say like, you're the first lupus patient that I'm actually able to ask questions to. And that blows my mind. So I'm like, wow, your whole life is committed to making a medicine for someone like me but yet you don't really know what I deal with on a daily basis. So it's really good to have that interaction, I think. Um, and then also, you know, I'd like to start teaching more and doing uh, more in-person events, which obviously were stopped for the past year and a half. For sure. Well, let me just say this to you, my friend, any way that I can ever help you out uh, fundraising wise, anything like that, uh, just give me a holler because I'm there to help out. And, mm -hmm in the last little bit of time we have tell people where if they want to donate is there a way that they can go do that uh, through your website 
Yeah, we have a donate page right on lupuschick.com and it's L-U-P-U-S because sometimes it gets spelled wrong. Um, and they can also follow us on Facebook at Lupus Chick and on Instagram and TikTok. It's Lupus Chick Official. We're all over. You, you've got it all covered. <laughs> got it all covered. Social media guru. Yes. <laughs> Social media guru. And tell people, uh, because the book just came out, so yep. tell people, uh, yeah, show that again. Uh, listen, whenever your face is on the cover, you yeah. got to show that as much as you can. <laughs> uh, tell people where they can get the book and uh, will you be doing, will you be doing any like uh, book, uh, are you setting out on like a book tour? Or are you doing any signings, anything like that? So many places are still not doing signings. It's killing me. Um, but, you know, it's at Barnes and Noble. It's at 200 Barnes and Nobles across the United States. It's at a lot of independent bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it online. Uh, it's at Target online. It's sort of all over the place. You just got to put in Chronically Fabulous, and trust me, it will come up. Chronically Fabulous, folks, run out and run out and get it. Uh, it's it's it's. I'm gonna go out and get it. I can't wait to. And let me tell you, when I say I can't wait to read a book because I'm not much of a reader. Uh, I I truly mean it because for me to want to sit down and actually read read a book is I have ADD and I can't sit still and it's tough. But that's what I'm going to read because I think your story is phenomenal and I thank you for doing this, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope you've enjoyed this one. You know, uh, there's one thing I want people to remember is we all have struggles in our lives, right? Each and every one of us. A lot of us have been struggling with this last year and the pandemic, but it's what you make of your struggles and what you turn them into that is the most important thing. So you might get knocked down, but the best thing to do is get back up, keep fighting, keep persevering, because you never know, like Marissa's doing, you, you can change people's lives just by a simple, maybe how you doing, or or seeing, uh, can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? But don't be afraid to ask questions either, because with knowledge comes power. Wouldn't you agree, Marissa? Absolutely. You never yeah. know how you're changing someone's life. Yeah, it's it it truly is. Uh, and when you see that happen, that's the greatest gift of all, right? Yes. And it's not monetary. It's it's literally just seeing how you're changing someone's life. So thank you. I'll get off my soapbox. But thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Hope you enjoyed. I do want to just say real quick, um, the podcast might be changing just a little bit for summertime. We might go to some recorded things just so that uh, it frees me up a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Give me your feedback on this podcast and any of the other podcasts, and we'll see you real soon. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. And